and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean. I'm joined as always by Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Also got Chaff with us. Chaff, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. And Luke's with us as always as well. Luke, how are you getting on? Good, thank you, pals. You're not wrong about Trav making you look more bald uh, than you actually are, by the way, if that's the icon that he gave you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, a couple of... Uh, yeah, lads. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of uh, Dale games to, to get our teeth into since we last spoke um, the return from the international break so a defeat down at Portsmouth 2-1 at Fratton Park followed by a ball 0-0 draw with Ipswich on Easter Monday so we're just going to go through those games uh, have a look at the relegation battle that's ensuing at the bottom of the League 1 table and have a look at maybe the future of the club as well, which is obviously a topic of debate at the moment within the fan base. So we'll start with that Portsmouth game. Uh, Ryan, a 2-1 defeat against a side that are resurgent under a new manager, a well-respected manager at our level as well, of course. Did you think it was a poor performance at Fratton Park or, or we were just unlucky? A bit of both. I think I think we were much better second half than first half. I thought first half we were we sort of played into their hands a little bit. They really came out of the traps. Um, your typical Cowley performance, I, I thought, in the first half from them. Um, a lot were made of them not having a centre-forward, really. Uh, but let's be honest, the players they had up front are very good players. Um, and there were a lot of pace on there. And every time he was on a counter-attack, they looked good. So a couple of decent goals from him. Yeah, a couple of mistakes as well that we gifted him. Um, but I thought we were relatively well worked um, in the last few passes. And I think I said it a few weeks ago on one of the watch alongs, I think it was Doncaster, um, but it's sort of a story of our season, man. It's been the final pass or a bad touch in the end. And you all looked at me like I was daft because I think we were second top scorers in the league at the time. But then since then, the goals have dried up and that's just shown even more. There were a lot of poor touches. I think Beasy had a couple of bad touches and couple of poor passes from the likes of Rathbone and things like that, the final passes. And I think we were just, just didn't look sharp. And that's probably from the break. The break probably didn't help us. I thought we looked fit enough. I just don't think we looked technically sharp on Friday. Um, but 2-1 defeat, I think we had more chances than him, if I remember rightly. So not a disaster, but I think a point would have probably been fair. Yeah, afterwards, BBM said that we controlled the second half, but I think my response to that is, can you really control the game when you're two goals behind? No, you can't. Um, I disagreed with him on that, to be perfectly honest with you. We did have chances um, to win it, but I kind of always felt that Portsmouth never really got out of, well, I was going to say second game, but it was first game, really. Um, I always thought they had a lot more to offer, and I think... When Beasley scored late on, I think it makes the scoreline look a lot closer than it was. Um, I don't particularly think we played well. 
um, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, I don't know. I, it's, we were limited, weren't we, with attacking options, um, with Humphreys being out, with Bale being out. Um, and we just we just don't look clinical enough, cl clinical enough um, in front of goal to take the chances that we do create because we don't create that many. So the ones that we do create, we've got to we've got to tackle, and we just we just don't. So um, yeah, I, did, I I don't think we played particularly well to be perfectly honest with you. But I never expected anything out of either game. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was good we, we, to get one point out of the two games was more than I expected, if I'm honest. Luke, Chaff sort of touched on the on the players we have available and unavailable there, but how much do you think they've played a part in the last two games in particular? I mean, we all know how much of a miss Humphreys is, but also when you're missing Lund, who's our top scorer, it really does take a lot out of the attack, doesn't it? Yeah, clearly. Um, we struggled with that. It feels to me, I don't know if this is just a feeling uh, rather than reality, but it feels like uh, we miss Humphreys more. Um, and in a weird way, Lund is, is more replaceable as far as his performances go, but obviously clearly kind of, I think I'm not taking into account, you know, the goals that he's wrapped up this season for us really in saying that. So the massive misses, and there would be for any anyone in the league, but it's like BBM says, like you, you've got to find solutions to the problems. You can't have an over-reliance on individuals. Um, and I think we kind of... Um, we were feeling that in the first part of the season because the squad was so small, but the squad is bigger now. Um, you know, we have got the likes of, you know, kind of O'Shaughnessy's kind of playing the position that I think Lund would in, in, in the formation that we're in at the minute. We have got people that can play there, but they're just not as good. Um, I think kind of when you, when we kind of see ourselves against opposition teams, a lot of them do have very strong benches where you kind of go flipping it, yeah, they'd walk into our team, you know, at least three or four of them. And um, we've kind of filled out the squad, but not with first team quality. It's just kind of filling out the squad. That's how it feels anyway to me. Yeah, I think one player on that front, and I, we will touch on him later, but I think Conor Grant is a good example of that. I think he is a kind of player who can develop into potentially a very good player for us, but is he the player we need in the situation that we're in right now where we're trying to stay in the league? I'm not quite sure that he is. Uh, like I said, we'll touch on him again a little bit later. But, Ryan, why do you think it is that we're struggling to create chances at the moment? Obviously, we touched on the injuries there, but do you think it's maybe something in the style of play? I, I said uh, during the game, I said I think during both games, that I didn't feel we were crossing the ball enough, which is frustrating when the goal came from a cross. And also, you know, we got two goals against Peterborough from, from getting the ball in the box as well. Yeah, I, I felt that frustration, but then um, how many men are we getting in the... Uh, obviously, the goal from Beasley, the goal from, came from a cross, but we, had, we were chasing a game, so there were a lot of players in the box. I think during the game, we don't tend to get many players in the box because you think we're playing a back five, so that's five players who can't get in the box. Then you're, probably, you're talking of older midfielder who's not going to get in. Conor Grant's not going to go and head a ball. So you're talking probably two centre-forwards and Shaughnessy who are potentially getting in the box. Do I trust any... There's only Beasley, really, that you trust to get on the end of something. Um, so that's probably why. But there were a lot of times when we did play around with it quite a lot. Um, wide, But I think we're just trying to create that chance 
that drill across a box and someone get on the end of a back stick. But yeah, I, I don't know why we're not doing it as much, but I'd, I'd guess as bodies in the box is the main reason why. And it, it's down to shape back because it's just a way we set up. Yeah, just in addition to that, right, I think kind of in, in bar being forced, I use the word forced because I think that is the case up top, um, I don't think he's kind of displaying any kind of natural signs of him being a striker. Um, for me, he's kind of an out-and-out winger and um, he seems to be lost um, both on the ball and off it, um, playing in that up-front position, really. So I think you can add almost... I know Matty Dorn hadn't had a lot of games in that position, but he was doing well, weren't he, before he was kind of enforced into going back into a left wing-back position. Um, but I think you are bar into it, and we've lost that balance, I think, um, where, you know, again, yeah, getting people in the box and creating those kind of um, attacking players um, have been very, very limited. Yeah, I would hope, looking at Bar though, and watching him play, that he, he is the kind of player who, all right, he might not have developed that, that poacher's instinct yet, but you would imagine from his physical attributes and from his ability that he could play that role. He's just not managing to do it yet, presumably because he hasn't had the experience or the training to play in that role. But you'd imagine that he was better, like he would be a target in the air because of how strong he is in shrugging defenders off. We've seen Jimmy Keohane as well so many times this season ghosting in a back post to, to create chances. So I just found it really frustrating the amount of times we'd work the ball into a crossing area and then end up playing it back to the to the three centre backs, and sometimes even as far back as uh, as Bazunu in in that game and Lynch in the next game. But Chaff will touch on Bazunu. Um, it was a, a poor kick out from him that led to the first goal, um, and then he was dropped obviously for for the next game against Ipswich. Do you think that was the right decision from BBM, or do you think he should have stuck with him? We, we saw some people on the forum mention that maybe he wasn't in the best headspace after making his international debut for Ireland but obviously in difficult circumstances with that defeat against Luxembourg Yeah but he played the game after as well didn't he um, I don't know how you can come back from an international break making your debut for your country winning lots of plaudits and come back um, in a poor frame of mind um, I'm, I might be doing him a disservice there but that, I don't think if I, if I was in the same situation I'd be buzzing when I came back Um so I'm not convinced that that's really got anything to do with it. I just don't think he's in, impressed enough. Um, I know he's made, what's he made something like the, the in the top five or something for most saves made this season, um, as it was sort of illustrated on Twitter. Um, but he's, he's going to be. It'd be impossible for him not to be with, with bottom of the league. So he's, he's going to have to make a lot more saves. Um, I just don't, it's very, very frustrating um, because there's obviously going to be a very good goalkeeper there. Um, I think he's probably just joined, for, for our benefit at least, he's probably two years early for us to get the best out of him. Um, he's, he, he doesn't come for crosses. He's quite weak in the air. His kicking is not very good. All things that technically he will work on and he will get better at. That doesn't help us, um, and I think it's frustrating. I'm, I was I was surprised that it was dropped for Monday, but there was a part of me that thought, do you know what? Fair enough. It, it wasn't it wasn't one of them decisions where I thought, what is he? What what what's he doing? Why has he done that? Because there's probably reasons for it. I don't. 
I'd all buy into the head first thing, if I'm honest. But yeah, he's, he's frustrating, is, is Bazunu, because there's evidently a very good goalkeeper there, or there will be. We're just not seeing it. And I don't think he'll go down as a, a very successful lone player for us. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think I, I think Jay Lynch is a player that I've criticised before when he's coming to the team. But I think it, it, it it's kind of the, the most damning thing I can say about Bazzini's form is that I didn't necessarily disagree with Lynch coming in on Monday, um, which kind of says where Bazzini seems to be at at the moment. But I've given him plenty of criticism as well over the course of the season. So uh, Luke, another man who I gave a little bit of criticism to on, on Friday was Paul McShane. Um, I think he started to look all of his 35 years. I think he's 35. Um, on on Friday, he didn't quite get near Curtis for the second goal. Perhaps could have done better getting back in shape in the for the first goal as well. Do we think after a little bit, even though there's a little bit of a break, perhaps after his injury, we, we've maybe relied a little bit too much on him and and played him slightly too often since he came back. He still plays for me, regardless. I still think he's kind of. He's our best defender, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, whilst kind of, all right, performance may have dipped a little bit against Pompey, um, in hindsight, I knew what he was doing for the goal. He, he, you know, he's, Curtis is a lot quicker than him. He stood off him and kind of banked him. You know, he backed himself to block uh, the shot. But um, it was one of them where it went through his legs and it was a great finish. Um, in hindsight, you would have liked him to get tired, but... I could see what he was doing there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe his performances have dipped a little bit, but um, I think kind of, I think we're calmer at the back when McShane's playing. Um, you can see him leading the team when he's playing. Um, and I think that probably has a bigger effect on the team than than what we can see necessarily when we're watching an eye follow. Um, and I still wouldn't say he's, he's been you know, uh, poor, you know, we were talking about Roberts needing a break because I think he was poor. Um, I don't think the, the same can be said for McShane. Um, I just think it's a little bit of a dip. But, um, you know, again, still pretty acceptable performances uh, from an indi- individual perspective anyway for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, Luke. I think that's probably his, his, probably his only really poor performance since, since coming. So, um Every defender in the world's going to have one of them at some point. I was thinking it might just have been his turn. I'm not sure it's down to playing too much because I think, like Lou said, if he's if he's fit and he's and he's available to play, he plays. I think he I think he has to. Um, maybe it's a maybe it's a case of sort of picking him for for specific games or if we're coming up against a quicker attack because we know that O'Connell's not got any pace whatsoever. Um, so if we're coming up against a quicker attack, maybe Roberts can be utilised a little bit more um, and sort of horses for courses. But I think that's that game for him, a, a poor game, is pretty much in isolation, really. So I, I yeah, I think I think the way we kind of played as well, it was it was very open that game. Um, and like Rice said, like every time Pompey were countering us, they looked like they, were, they looked really dangerous. It was um, there were big gaps between our midfield and defence. And that's never going to play into someone like Paul McShane's hands, uh, given given the legs that he's got. Uh, so I think partially it was the way we were kind of set up in that first half as well, that kind of exploited um, what you'd argue are his weaknesses. I think what I would say in response to that, and although I am a big fan of McShane, I actually thought defensively was 
on Monday was actually one of our better defensive performances with him out of the team, I think. So maybe that shows that at the moment he isn't in our best back three. I would, I would definitely not be in a rush to drop any of those three that started on, on Monday anyway, because I thought they all played pretty well. Um, Ryan, you seem to disagree with that one. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I don't think he played poorly at, at Portsmouth. I, we were chatting on WhatsApp and I don't think the court, Curtis goal was a mistake of any sort. I just think he just... The only criticism of him is he opened his leg as he went to slide and block it, but you see them goals happen all the time in Premier League at, at every level. So I don't think it was... I think he did the right thing. I just think he was unlucky. Um, we'll move on to Monday, obviously, but they didn't threaten at all. I don't think it's anything to do with how, how well we played defensively. I thought Ipswich were pretty awful, pretty ordinary. Um, goes in my team every day of the week. Who are you dropping out of the three that played on Monday then? Roberts? Oh, sure. Well, that's interesting because I thought he was our best really? player by some distance on Monday. I think Osher was the last one I'd drop. <laughs> For me as well, like, um, when we're playing against strikers that are quite kind of physical, uh, I think actually Mick Shane's our best man for that. Uh, O'Connell's more of a presence, I suppose, but I think Mick Shane's just that little bit more shrewd in how he defends against them. He tends to defend better in the air and one-on-one. And, and, one. and then you've got your nippier strikers. I'm just thinking back to the Lincoln game, for example. I thought Osho dealt with them really well and swallowed them up. Um, so I think a lot might depend on actual the the type of opposition attacker that we're that we're up against with regards so you you pick your your best back three. But we're bottom of the league and we've got you look at them all as individuals and you you, you can't you're quite happy, aren't you? You're quite happy with what we've got. It it's crazy, isn't it? Now because we've been saying, and I know there was a spell where there was a few injuries, so we couldn't really do it. But we've been saying since literally October, November, we've got the we've got the defenders to play a back three. And he's literally only just started to try it out now, which kind of is one of the criticisms, I think, that fans have had of, of Barry Murphy this season. Right, I'll come back to you on another player I thought was poor in both of these games, actually, Connor Shaughnessy. Um, I mean, we've come on to the long throw as well. You can mention that if you like. But just generally, I'm not really seeing what he offers at the moment. Very, very slow on the ball. Um, I suppose we're hoping that, that once he's settled and got over the injury issues he's had, I know he's played a lot of games for us, but it's going to take some time to get up to that sharpness that he can improve. Because if we're seeing more of what we've seen in the last couple of games, it's not going to be a great signing, is it? Um, there's another one where I think the criticism has gone overboard slightly. I don't think he's been good by any means in the last couple of games, but I think he's looked tired, I think, in the last couple. He's sort of, you get into second half and a lot of his passes look tired. I think we touched on the fact that, yeah, he's been at Leeds for however long, but he's 25 and he's only had 40 league appearances or something like that, if that. So he's not played a lot of football in his career. So I think he's he looks tired, but I think he does. I do think he offers quite a bit. He offers that physical presence in the midfield. Um, he wins a lot of headers um, in that midfield. And I think he wins a ball back quite a bit as well. I just think on the ball, he's been sluggish in the last couple. The long throw, I, I don't think it's his fault that it's not working. I just We're not winning the headers and we're not getting anywhere near it. I actually think, initially I didn't like them because they were too floaty, but I actually think 
weirdly, surely it doesn't work on him, but his throwings have improved throughout the time he's been here. They look a bit flatter and a bit quicker now. We're just honestly nowhere near it ever. And I don't understand how, because we're going in the exact same place every time as well. Um, but would I get rid of it? Probably not, because I think it causes conflict. What I would do is we... It's like our deepest players for 30 yards from their goal every time we take one. So that it's almost like every time we take one and they win it, they go and have a chance because we're not leaving players back, which confuses me. But um, And they win every time as well. Well, yeah, that. Um, I think we've scored once from it, but it was from a second phase um, at Lincoln, I think it was. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily get rid of it. I'd just get better at it. And I, I suppose there's a lot of fans calling for it being... Um, stopped but they were the same fans who were asking for a ball to be put in every time it goes wide so yeah what do you do fair enough I, I would from my perspective what I would say is I would hope for a slightly better delivery but um there we go uh Chaff can you can you sort of balance that out and I'm imagining you're more on my side to be honest with regards to Shaughnessy so um to be perfectly honest I've not been overly impressed um on his overall game he seems very MJ Williams-like to me. I think he's probably playing 20 yards further forward than what you'd want him to. He doesn't seem to be playing a holding midfield role, really, because he's not he's not playing as deep as what we've seen the holding midfield role played this season. Um, he probably breaks up play a bit more than Aaron Marley does, but I think Oliver, my lad, does the same. Um, the long throw debate I'm with Ryan on that I, I wouldn't stop it at all I think we just need to get better at it the fact that we're not winning the header is not because of the long throw it's because nobody's attacking it um, and we're just, we're just the, the, the defenders are better at defending it than we are attacking it um, I think he gives the ball away far too much um, he's really sloppy in possession a lot of the time and it's it's infuriating for a big lad, and he is a big lad. I don't think he's strong enough either. I don't think he, he puts himself about anywhere near as much as what I thought he would do. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. I think he's he's got to improve to be able to, to keep his place, I think. Luke, another man who I wasn't really impressed with on Good Friday, even though he got the goal, was Jake Beasley. Um it's fair to say that he doesn't look quite the same player without Stephen Humphries, isn't it? Yeah, there's more pressure on him. Um, you know, Beasley isn't a, a pretty player. He um, He's effective through his work rate, I feel. Um, you know, get the ball, hold it up, lay it off um, and, and be effective that way. Without the likes of Humphries around him, it's going to make him look worse um, because there's an over-reliance on, on him in that part of the pitch, really. Um, I think kind of, yeah, he looked groggy. He looked, there was a couple of times, because I thought they were there to, to be got at. Uh, Pompey didn't look convincing at the back for me. And there were a couple of times where uh, Beasley's first touch was just off when we were kind of counting them a little bit. Um, I think in turn, it allowed Pompey to counter, counter runs, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, it, it slowed us down. We gave the ball away. And, um, yeah, he was he was... Pretty poor. He's been missing a fair bit as well, hasn't he? And then he's just been chucked straight back in. And you're asking a lot from him from an output perspective um, because that's the type of player that he is. 
Um, so I think we've got to take that into account, the fact that he hasn't been playing that much of late. He's come back from broken bone in his foot. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, as a footballer, it's, it's your touch, isn't it, that you need to find again? Because um, I think he is naturally, actually, like a very fit lad. And that's what he brings to the team. Um, and I think that showed against Ipswich in many ways. Um, I thought he was a lot better. Um, and he, he was very good kind of off the ball, you know, chasing everything down. I know that you want to see more from a player than just someone who can run. But um, I do think he's very good at it. But, uh, but yeah, very sloppy performance, I think, against Pompey. Ryan, what did you make of the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, you were going anyway, weren't you? <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just going to, this is going to seem stupid now because it's a bit of a pointless point, but um, I was just going to say I'd, uh, it's tough on him because he's playing up front on his own because Barr's been absolutely useless for the last couple of games. So you're sort of playing 5-3-1 and he's got no support around him and yeah, his first touch were poor and yeah, he were poor, but I think like Luke said, you've got to take the injury into account um, and take that into account but he, he was poor and he, he was pretty bang average again on, on Monday I thought Yeah Ryan it was, it, was a, it was a pretty tough game wasn't it on Monday it was a tough game for the players but it was just as tough to watch as well uh, I don't think either side had a shot on target probably the dullest game of the season and that takes some doing after the Northampton game the other week uh, what exactly went wrong do you think on Monday? I don't know it's tough isn't it I think it was just a really bad game. I thought both teams were poor. I was not impressed whatsoever with Ipswich. I was expecting so much more from them, particularly with the new manager coming in. Um, I thought they'd have been right at it, but it was it wasn't even like both teams cancelled each other out. It was just of real poor quality. And I bet I've watched a lot. I've watched quite a bit. of Sunday league matches in my time and it was like that it was like there were no real passing movements going on it was just like you took 22 players on a football pitch and said right go on have a go lads and yeah it's tough to really analyse we might as well play the game now because nothing happened did it (laughs) (laughs) yeah chap it was I mean I I was struggling for sort of talking points when I was making the notes Um, I think one thing that that we can take as a positive was I thought defensively we were pretty sound and I know I agree with Ryan that Ipswich didn't really create much but I thought Osho did really well mopping things up I thought Roberts did quite well on his return to the team as well so that is a positive isn't it? It is yeah um, I think Osho's been impressive me um, pretty much since he joined I didn't really expect a great deal from him because I've never heard of him in, in all honesty and he's very new to sort of professional football in terms of games played but I think he's done really well I think he really. I think he's a one of the main reasons we've um, we've stopped shipping in as many goals as we have. Um, he's just got to be played at, in in the back three rather than as a fullback. Um, I think Roberts did well as well coming back in. I think he adds a bit of pace to the to the back line, and I think playing in a three probably suits him um, because it, it he's got a bit more cover around him if he wants to go on one of his mazy runs and he wants to sort of push forward a little bit. He's got a bit of cover. Um, and, yeah, I think we've, defensively, I think we, we do look a lot better. I know Ipswich didn't create, well, anything, really. Jay Lynch has probably had the easiest game of his life, um, as as their goalkeeper. But, yeah, I think we do look a little bit better defensively. Luke, um, I think one of the frustrating things from our point of view as fans was the fact that 
Matt Doan had to play at left wing back again, um, despite having played really well up front in a couple of games before the international break. Do you think that's just a lack of options at left wing back? I've seen people calling for Dooley to play there so that we can move Doan up front. I mean, personally, I wouldn't have Dooley anywhere near a back a back five. Um, what, do, what do you make of that? Do you think there's any way that we could try and move Doan up, up front, especially given that, like we've said, Bars really seems to be struggling in that position? I think I'd, I'd like to see it, but it's not, I don't think it's going to happen until McLaughlin's fit. Um, and then you can move Kia here, not left wing back. Um, as much as we're talking about having the central defenders to play back three, uh, when you think about it, we haven't got the wing back players to play in that position. Um, Jimmy Cahan, you know, he's doing a job, but he's still not. You know, I don't believe he, he, he didn't come to the club as a as a natural wing back or right back left back. He came as a midfielder, didn't he? So um, he's just doing a job because he's an honest, hard working player who's solid, gets it, gives it. Um, but I think we've landed on the formation that suits us best. But given the one or two injuries, especially in that part of the pitch, we're struggling because Bar doesn't fit in that formation for me. Um, unless, you know, you, you can potentially have him as possibly in the position maybe that Grant's kind of playing. He's kind of playing in the hole a little bit, but I think I'm clutching at straws there with that. Um, and then, you know, Matty Dawn, um, I think fair, fair dues to him. He's, he's doing fine as far as I'm concerned. He looks fitter now that he's had a run of games. He seems to, you know, as soon as the opposition kind of uh, winger gets the ball, he's, he's, he's pressing him early doors high up the pitch. Uh, he was up and down uh, as well against Citrich, I thought. I think he could have whipped the ball in earlier a few times than what he did. Uh, it's kind of like, I feel tired for him when he's up and down and then he makes that decision to go backwards on himself and he could have whipped it in. Um, you know, and then he's having to chase it back because we've lost the ball. Um, but, yeah, um, I think kind of, you know, if we're looking ahead to the future, I, I do like the formation, but we will need to strengthen in those positions because... Until McLaughlin gets fit, we're we're a bit weak. I think we're I think we're massively paying for our inability to bring in a left back in January. Um, yeah. We all knew from about the end of November that we needed one, and we still went into February without one. Um, and now we've seen Matt Dawn play well up front. I mean, to be fair, he's played well at left wing, but like like Luke said there, but at the minute because Bar's not offering what we need him to. We're losing out. Um, and we really could do with Matt Dawn playing as that sort of player off Beasley while Humphries is out. And we just can't do it because we've got no other option because McLaughlin's made of glass. So it's it's very, very disappointing. I, I need to, I, I want to question what Joe Dunn um, offers at all because he's never played, as far as I know, he's never played for the first team. He's given a pro contract, he's a left back. At, at what point, given how desperate we've been for one all season, is he not sort of given, he's not had any minutes, so is he that far behind in his development? Surely by now he should be an option to be able to bring on. Um, I think I expected him to, and he's, he's just not done, so I'm, a, I'm disappointed in that. But yeah, our inability to bring in a left back in, in, in January is. It's, um, we're, we're seeing it really co- it's costing us a lot now Yeah and, and certainly the injuries haven't helped because we're saying play Don up there but we don't even play there if Humphries and Beasley were fit anyway so it shows the injuries we have I know that that's been an issue for every club though like 
if you if you're on Twitter and following any League One club fans, every single one of them is bemoaning injuries because it's always going to be an issue in a season which is slightly more um, congested in terms of the schedule. So perhaps again, looking back in hindsight, we we shouldn't have been relying on quite so many injury prone players. But that's another thing that we've all said all the way through the season. Um, one last player I wanted to touch on. I mentioned him earlier, Ryan. Conor Grant, the last couple of games for me have passed him by quite a bit. I said it earlier, but I think he's the kind of player who can really develop into the kind of player that we could maybe sell on for a lot of money in the future because you can see the quality he has. But in the middle of a relegation battle, I'm not sure he's the kind of player that we really need at the moment. I, yeah, I quite like him. I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't buy into... I think we've established this already, but I don't buy into this you need certain players in a relegation battle. Um, it's a game of football. It doesn't matter where you are in the league, it's a game of football. Um, I think he has improved throughout his time um, and I think we'll see the best of him probably next season or the season after. I'd like to see him a bit further forward, I think. And sort of, could you play maybe Shaughnessy and Rathbone next to each other and push him on? Because um, I think he's got that touch and that bit of class that could unlock a door as a ten. Um, but I think he's he's done fine. I don't think. Yeah, I guess who would you replace him with if if he weren't to play? You're talking Dooley, who's softer. So um, yeah, I, I think he's done fine. I quite I, I like him. I think he's going to be a very good player. Fair enough. Um, I, I was going to say like um, some players that we we had in relegation battles in the past. Players like. Ethan Hamilton, but I suppose he is just a better player. Ethan Hamilton, like you would play him anyway, wouldn't you? So you make a fair point there. Uh, Luke, did you have something to add there? Yeah, no, I was just thinking back to the game. Like uh, we've not really said it, but I think the pitch is playing a part. The pitch looks shite. Um, it's dry as it's. Um, you know, you, you can see the bobble when we play when when a five yard pass is played. That will not be helping us, and it didn't help Ipswich. Uh, it can become a bit of a leveller and uh, it can create a bit of a boring uh, spectacle, I think, because they're concentrating so much on getting the ball under control rather than the next pass and the one after that. Um, the drainage is arguably, uh, whatever drainage system they're putting and invested in, it's arguably too good. We'll move on to kind of the overall picture at the moment at the bottom of the table. Obviously, Dale remain bottom of the table, four points away from escaping the bottom four. I think I said... I think me and you agreed, didn't we, Chaff, when we were on the, the, the live Facebook a few weeks ago that we gave ourselves maybe a 25% chance of staying up this season. Um, after the last two games, we're still four points away, but obviously fewer points to play for now. Would you still go with 25% chance, or do you think we're, we're less likely to, to, to get out of there, or even more likely, maybe? Uh, no, I'd knock 20% of that 25 off now, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I just we're just running out of games. I mean, we've we've got massive games coming up, haven't we, against um against Swindon and against Wimbledon. Um they're obviously must wins. But we're gonna have to find wins from elsewhere as well. And I just don't see where they come from. Another we could point to Lincoln game and as a as a game that none of us expected to get anything from and we did. So there is the there is the possibility that we can pick up another win from somewhere. But from what I'm seeing, I don't I don't see it. We, we're so reliant on getting players back and even then it might be too much of an ask. I think we, we probably need, what, five wins 
my remaining games. What points to that happening? What, did it, I, I, when, when was the last time we went on that sort of run of form? Because um, I can't remember it. And I just don't see that happening now. Um, I don't... I don't, I don't look at the squad or the team on a match day and think, do you know what? These have got the, we, we, we've got the bottle to, to stay up. I don't, I just don't see it from, from too many players. Um, and it's disappointing. I did, yeah, I think we've left ourselves a little bit too much to, to do. It's, it's, it's possible, but it's very, very unlikely. Ryan, I'm guessing you're slightly more positive than Chaff on that front. Um, where, where do you rate our chances at the moment of staying up, given, you know, like Chas says, games are running out now? Um, I keep arguing with myself. I'm still positive we will do it. I think before these four games, to still be within touching distance is really good work. So to have got the is it five points we've got, the five points from those four games is a good return um, from the opposition we've played. And I think looking at our fixtures, we've got the Swindon and Wimbledon games. Yeah, you've still got to win them. We've got to win them. Um, and if you do win them, I think that takes us out. And then I think from the rest of the games, we've probably got quite a lot of teams who have nothing to play for. I think you look at Accrington, they've got nothing to play for. Um, crew, don't have anything to play for. I think Blackpool are up there in the playoffs, aren't they? So that'll be a tough game. Doncaster might be one of them where they'll either be out of the playoffs or in them already. It's looking like we'll probably be out of them now. So there's a lot of dead rubbers in there for teams that might... We've seen them go one of two ways, haven't we? Either they're already on the beach relaxing or be playing with freedom and sort of the tricks and flicks come out and be really roll teams over but I'm still positive I think there's there's obviously still points there to win I think if you win those two massive games if we get six points from those two we stay up that's that's quite a big claim isn't it because um, I mean 17 league games without a home win we're going into those last few games of the season saying we need four or five out of the games that are left. I know they're not all at home, but like, what? where's the evidence that we can get those wins, given that record, particularly at Scotland? Well, it falls on hope rather than belief, I think, because there isn't, like Chaff said, where are the indicators for where we're going to get these results from? They're not necessarily there, but um, that doesn't mean that we can't create that by getting a couple of results, but it has to be now. Like, this is it now for us. Uh, we're at that point in the season that we obviously we know and we knew that we were going to get to this point where must win games are genuinely must win games. You know, in my naive head, I was calling Burton a must win game, um, but it wasn't because there was so much left of the season to go. But now we are getting to that point, and we have to create the belief from 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 a result, not a performance. A good performance doesn't create the belief for me. We've got to get a couple of results on, on the bounce, I think, to kind of create that momentum to get it going. You know, I was looking at league table, I was looking at kind of where we sit in comparison to the teams around us. And if I'm looking at the positives, I'm looking at our goals for Colin. It's more than those that are around us. That's a positive. 
we've lost less and we've drawn more than a lot of the teams around us. So it's about turning them into wins, which is obviously easier said than done. Um, but we have kind of, I feel, we have showed up defensively in recent times a little bit. So I think, you know, it's that balance that still needs to be struck. But I think we are closer to it um, through hope again, not not belief. Um, as the players got the bottle, Chaff said it. And, you know, when you go back to the team that, that kept us up with the likes of Ethan Hamilton and, um, you know, Ebank Slandell and, and players like that, that, there was character in that team. Uh, and I don't know if this is because we're watching on TV or and we're not in the ground, but... Personally, I don't see a lot of character in our team. Um, I see character in the in the in players such as O'Connell, Rathbaum, to a certain extent Humphreys, uh, off the top of my head. I don't really see a lot of kind of personality amongst the rest of the team that we have. Um, I don't see it in the likes of, and I like him by the way, but the likes of Grant and Shaughnessy, and then you throw into a reliance on loan players who. Their careers aren't, aren't reliant on us staying up or going down. You know, this is, you know, this is benefit to them. Um, and these are the negatives, you know, not necessarily what I believe in, but it's just a feeling that I have. So um, I think if we're going to stay up, we have to create our own momentum now by getting a couple of results pretty sharpish. Um, and, you know, God, I, you know, I hope we do. These two games that we're pinning all of our hopes on, the Swindon and Wimbledon games, We've got no points from playing them previously this season. I think it's a. I think those two games are a, are a bigger ask as well. Um, I think we've got to we've got to start games so much better than what we do. Um, I think there's a. I don't know whether it's a concentration thing, but the way we start games is awful. Nine times out of ten, it's awful. We. I think the thing I, I reckoned it up before. We, we've conceded in the opening sort of eight, nine minutes, 11 times this season. That's awful. And we, I don't know whether this, this, this team have the mentality to be able to, to stay up, unfortunately. I think I'm with you on that, mate, to be honest. I, I, I know, we've, I think, I feel like we've all mentioned him now, but I go back to Ethan Hamilton again. And, and Lou, what you said there about loan players, it not really mattering to them whether we stay up or not. Um, Ethan Hamilton certainly played like it mattered to him when we had him. He, it looked like he cared as much as we did, to be honest with you. And I, I don't know again whether it's because we're not in the ground, but yeah, I don't get that same feeling from the majority of the players in the squad at the moment. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not even sure I get that feeling from the club, that it matters that much to the club, because for reasons that I've kind of pointed out before, that I feel like the club are, are prioritising things other than... Um, match results and, and the situ and, and the on-field performances of the team, which is hard to take as a supporter. Um, Jav, I'll come back to you kind of on that. How much do you think the overall kind of frustration with um, the club on the whole is playing into the, to, to the malaise that the team kind of find themselves in at the moment? I know we've picked up more points recently, but the last two performances have been flat again. Fans aren't in the ground, so we, we can't really see how much of an effect it's having, but you do seem to get the feeling that, on the whole, there is a pretty negative um, feeling among the supporters at the moment, don't you? Among the supporters, yeah, there definitely is. You only have to look at any one of the social media outlets to see what what people think at the moment. And um, 
whether that sort of filters down through to the players. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that the overall sort of off-field situation that we find ourselves in has any impact on the players. But the players will see what fans are saying on the club's sort of um, Twitter and stuff like that. Um, and, and that may have may have a, a negative effect. Um, but yeah, the, there's loads of different sort of contributory factors um, to to where we're where we're going wrong. I mean, and and why the players might sort of have it in their heads that they're they're half beaten before they get there. I mean, our home form. It's a bit. We, I've said it before, and I know there's not as much importance put on home or away form, but the home form, the, the, the players must see, I must feel that we've won one at home all season and teams are coming to, and they know that they're going to pick up points before we, the ball's kicked. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the sort of, the attitude and the, the morale around the club is, it's, it's awful at the minute um, and it probably does have an effect on the players. Ryan, I'm just going <laughs> to... Sorry, I noticed you had something to say, but I'll just ask you a question and then you can add it on afterwards if you want. Um, that, that home record, which Chaff has touched on there, I know you said earlier in the season that you feel it doesn't matter as much this year when we're not in the ground. Just given that you have a lot more of a positive outlook, should we say, than the rest of us, or certainly than me and Chaff, um, how much do you think that you, your opinion of that would change had you been in the ground this season? Do you think you'd be a lot more frustrated with the performances and the and the results, had you been watching the games live? I mean, it is, it, I just thought I'd get the, this little stat in there, but if we don't beat Swindon on Tuesday, uh, it will make it the joint second worst home um, winless home run in football league history. Yeah, I'd be more frustrated. I think my point on my home, in a way, thing is that there's no advantage. So if I was there, there'd be frustration then because there's an advantage because you, your crowd's there and you've got more fans in it. Well, to be fair, we don't quite a few times during the season, but you should have more fans there and the atmosphere should be a bit better. Um, so, yeah, it'd be much different because end home form does matter. I suppose my point was this season, I just don't think it does. And I don't, I don't care which club it is, where you play, what league you're in, what country you're playing. I do not think home form's a thing because it's just you're playing on a you might as well be playing at Fir Grove. You're just playing on a field with emptiness. Um, I think, yeah, the the one win we've got to get a couple more wins at home this season. Otherwise, you're talking about season ticket sales probably dwindling, um, fans not coming back, and that kind of thing. So yeah, it affects that. I suppose my thing about home form not mattering was more the on field rather than the off field stuff when I said it. Um, don't matter where wins come from this season as long as you get them. So I don't care if we win all our all our away games for the rest of the season and stay up, but lose the rest of our own. I just don't care, basically. Yeah, but I, I think well, I wanted to add something to, to what Chaff and Luke were saying. I think it seems weird because when you speak to people from a club, and I've had you know conversations with people from a club, um, and it seems like the morale around the place is good and high um, which well baffles me because the atmosphere amongst the fans and I'm in no way near 
the most negative. I'm probably one of the most positive at the minute, but but you only have to look at social media and message board and speak to Rochdale fans and there's not a positive thing being said. So I don't understand how morale can be so high because surely the media team are showing people what's being said and I'm sure the players are aware of it. The players have come off social media, Humphreys and Rathbone's rarely on social media now. So I don't understand how morale in-house can be so high at the minute. Uh, that it's either with, it's either not or they're just so far removed from what's going on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think I'd say even if you even if you are removed from the social media aspects of it, why would morale be high when you bottom of the league? Like it shouldn't be high. You you got to question that, haven't you? Where's that come from? The morale. Yeah. The, the forum they were saying oh, um, staff morale and things like that were really high. Everyone comes in, smile on my face, you know, bouncing around the place. I think it's, if you were, I don't know, a car salesman and you'd not sold a car for six months, you wouldn't be going into work smiling, would you? Yeah, but <laughs> if, you're a car, if you're a car salesman and you've not sold a car for six months, if you don't come into work like that and you come into work pissed off with a chip on your shoulder, you're not going to sell your car, are you? It's, <sighs> I, I, would, I personally don't read too much into that. Um, the professionals and, you know, I would like to think that they are hurting, um, you know, through where we're at, especially, well, I was going to say especially the players, but everyone. Um, but if they came out and said, oh, we're, we're, we're sad, you know, all that lot, then are you going to feel sorry for them or is that going to rile the fans up even more? Uh, well, I'd want them to be, I'd want them to be angry with the way things are going or show some kind of desire to change things rather than come in thinking, oh, well, because I always think, you know, if your morale's high, that's a sign that things are going well and things are not, things are not going well at all. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I would say as well is I'd just take every single thing that came out of that forum with a pinch of salt because I said to you at the time, if you listen to the first half an hour of it, you would think we were top of the league. Some of the stuff that came out, it was all happy positivity. And that's just not, that's just not reality. Um, so I wouldn't. I, I, I took very, very little from that fans forum, to be honest with you, apart from um, negative things uh, about the disorganisation and and just general lack of uh, trust in the people running the club. Um, and on that chaff, we saw um, fit. So Chris got another exclusive with Chris Dunphy last week, who then answered some questions from the trust as well. Looks like he is interested in returning to the club as. Potentially as chairman again, uh, what did you make of, of that of that interview and the subsequent Q and A with the trust? Would you welcome that move? I think most supporters would, as we've seen. Well, I don't know why Netflix focus on Sunderland so much because they should be doing a series on us at the moment. I think <laughs> you could have right. Chris Dunphy wanting to come back um, sort of blew my mind and my phone up at the same time <laughs> when that came through. Um, would I take him back? Yes. Um, for the very simple reason is in that we've got an interim chairman, an interim chairman who admittedly is not in great health. It's an interim position until somebody comes along who's capable and wants to do the job. Chris Dunphy evidently fits that role, only with the added bonus that he knows the club inside out. Um, and seems to want to get um, to people who I hold in very high regard on board with him in Richard Wilde and, and Francis Collins. 
Um, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, the, the current board of directors is very low on numbers. Um, I think there's only, is it only four with voting rights? It's no way to run a football club um, at the level that we're at. Um, and I think, I think it, it, the, the offer's got to be taken seriously. Um, very, very seriously. Um, yes, he's, he's not the messiah. Um, he's made mistakes, i.e. the Keto five-year contract and um, the budget that he gave him that pretty much squandered because we didn't actually improve. Um, and yes, we've been paying, we've been sort of cutting our cloth accordingly and to try and sort of recoup some of that money. Um, but surely somebody with his experience of running a football club um, and the experience of Francis um, in the role that he's done and the knowledge and the, the experience that Richard brings as well, surely that can only be a good thing. I'm failing to see many negative points to it. Um, whether it happens or not remains to be seen. But um, yes, I would absolutely take it. Luke, how about yourself? I mean, it, it, there was definitely um, some revelations, shall we say, from, from those from those two articles. There was de- there's definitely going to need to be a lot of upheaval if this is to come come across and, and happen. Um, so do we welcome that? I mean, I think most supporters, like I've touched on there, seem to seem to see that as a very positive, um, a very positive potential idea for the club. Yeah, I mean, uh, I associate Chris Dunphy with the good times. So, um, you know, it, that, that, that's the way I, I kind of uh, I link his, his time to the club. And um, it really does worry me when someone like Dunphy's kind of coming out and, and going public and, you know, making some pretty, you know, pretty strong comments and views around how the existing board would need to go. Um, and how you know he, he he would intend to do a full audit and things like that. It just makes me think, what is going on? You know, where where has this come from? Uh, and that's that scares me a little bit. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's the intention. You know, uh, Christoph is not a he's obviously a successful kind of businessman in his own rights, and um, he's doing what he needs to do to get the fans on side to kind of push this forward. I think. Um, and I think kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, Francis, um, or, you know, I'll call him kind of on a personal level, um, but like I have said, you know, um, two fellas who kind of um, by all accounts have the football club at the heart and, you know, were very successful in, um, you know, previous times when they were employed by the club and what have you. Um, so it kind of, there's an element of comfort that comes with, you know, comes from that. And I, I really don't mean to be too naive in what I'm about to say, but... Um, the whole uh, using Clough's, Clough's money to, to purchase shares and whatnot, I'm not fully off fair with regards to how that meets uh, the intention, which was for it to benefit all Rochdale fans. I don't know how that works out. I, and again, I'm not necessarily kind of saying that, that, that that's wrong or anything like that. I just personally, um, I'm not sure how that works really. It doesn't kind of make sense to me on that level. Um, maybe one of you guys can educate us on it though, because you know I don't want to kind of come across like I'm uh, being a skeptic or um, you know pointing the finger in any way because I'm not. Um, but yeah, I mean, something back in stability, safe pair of hands, someone who knows the club, 
um, at a time where it feels like the club is kind of ticking along and, um, you know, so many things have happened this season that raises question marks. Uh, I, I do f- I feel like it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if um, if any of us can really comment on the on the shares issue with um, David Clough's legacy, but hopefully we'll get some of those ans- uh, questions answered next week with, with a guest that we're hoping to have on. Come and join us. Um, I've got, sorry, one more thing is the 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 point that the that was that came out of that trust questionnaire was when Chris Dunphy said that the current board are a, that they need to be they're not a part of the solution they're a part of the problem um and that sort of statement rang out hugely um for me and I think it, it I'm I'm very worried and this is the first time that I can remember in the 30 years of watching Rochdale that I can say that I don't trust members of this board, certain members of this board, um, to run a football club at our level. Um, and I think we're, we're only going one way at the minute. There are certain members of the board that I do trust. Um, like Tony Potney's always come across really, really well. But I just don't trust the, the, the rest of the, the current board to be able to get us out of the hole that we're in. Yeah, I mean, what worries me is um, hearing some of that stuff uh, by someone kind of who, who we all kind of respect in Dunphy. And coupling that with uh, certain members of the board's history with regards to their own um, line of work in years gone by and um, in years gone by, um, it, it does make me very nervous, that. Ryan, I think one one question that perhaps some supporters have had about it is uh, we still don't really know the full extent of exactly what happened when Dunphy left and which people he had an issue with, shall we say. Uh, is that something you want more information on before we see any sort of progression on this front? Not really before we see any progression. I'd, I'd like to know why, because I don't... I, he's sort of, he's come, he, I see Dunphy coming back as a real positive thing and I'd welcome it with open arms, but... I'm a bit confused as to why he's coming out swinging now and didn't do that at the time when he was chairman. Um, why has it taken him, is it two years, two and a half years, three years maybe, to stand up and do it? Um, he might know something we all don't with regard to the finance and some of the you know ongoings within a football club, but surely the time to come out swinging was when he was already at the football club and not now he isn't. And it looks like it's not going to be a quick thing. This it's probably going to go on for months. Um, so that confuses me a bit. Um, but it'll come out at some point. If he doesn't end up being chairman, I'm sure he'll come out in sort of in spite and probably tell us what went on. If he gets the chairman role, it probably comes out in his opening statement and he says why he left the club. He probably won't go into the final details, but we'll find out eventually. I don't need to know that before he comes in. Um, it's yeah, he's just. I think there's certain members of his board that we all want gone, aren't we? So um, yeah, I see it's a positive, and I just it worries me what's going to happen to the football club in the future, in the near future, with the current board after what he's said. It also worries me about the future of a team because if this plays out over summer. 
how's that going to affect our transfer business and you know the on-field stuff and contracts and things like that um so yeah we'll, we'll just have to take a back seat and see what happens and, and hope, hope that the EGM comes and and see what happens yeah I think any hopes that we had of uh, taking a break from doing the podcast over the summer have definitely been dashed haven't they because I mean there's going to be plenty coming out in the next few months um on this and probably other areas of the club as well um before we finish up we'll we'll, we'll play our usual game uh so it's Fleetwood Town uh, this weekend for Dale so I've gone for Dale's first ever trip to Highbury Stadium in the league which was uh, the 6th of April 2013 a 3-0 win for Dale um one of Keith Hill's first games back in charge um and the towards the end of that 2012-2013 season so uh Ryan were you the winner last time we played obviously Okay, mate. So you can go first, and then Chaff, you can go second since you're second on my on my little Zoom call here. Ian Anderson. Yep, Ian Anderson scored the opening goal. Uh, George Donnelly. Yes, George Donnelly scored the second goal. Uh, Bobby Grant. Bobby Grant played. Yep. Peter Kavanagh. Yep, Peter Kavanagh played. Lillis. Yep, Josh Lillis. Joe Rath. Yep, Joe Rafferty. Michael Rose. Yeah, Michael Rose. Good effort, this guy's. That's a great shout, to be fair. Um, Jason Kennedy? Yeah, Jason Kennedy got the third. We've, ah. not, we've not even slipped into the bench yet. Reese Bennett? Oh, Reese Bennett is not in that squad, I'm afraid. Oh. He definitely would have been there as well at the time, wouldn't he? So I think you've been unlucky. That one must have been an injury. Andy too. Oh, Chaff. He... I mean, you're going to have to get one to win it, but Ryan, there's no Andy Tut. So it was end of Coleman, beginning of Hill, weren't it? Yeah. So we still had a lot of the Coleman shite. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ashley Grimes? Yeah, Ashley Grimes started. Uh, so victory for Chaff. I'll just run through uh, the players that were missing. Uh, Shane Cansdale Sheriff started, as well as Phil Edwards. Uh, I think that's the starting eleven. And then on the bench, I don't think anyone got any of these. Um, Steve Collis, Wayne Thomas, who I have very, very little recollection of. Um, Brian Barry Murphy, Andy Howarth, Kevin McIntyre, Terry Gornell and Joel Logan. Um, so hopefully it'll be another comfortable win for Dale at Ivory Stadium this weekend to get our hopes of remaining in League One back on track. But we'll uh, reconvene next week after that game and the Swindon Town game which is obviously a huge match for Dale on Tuesday night at Scotland. So we'll speak then, guys. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thanks for joining me, right? No, thank you, Dean. Cheers, Chaff. Nice one. Cheers, mate. And cheers as always, Luke. Cheers, lads. Catch you all next time. Up the Dale. Gave this goal kick, I nearly walked off. It was right in front of Chaff. Uh, what, <laughs> made, <laughs> what made it worse? I was like, "Fuck off!" And then I just I turned around and I just heard Chaff go, "It were a corner, that." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>